Hi, this is Cliff Click, and welcome to today's podcast on Elm. Elm is a fantastical, purely functional programming language um, with just full type inference, uh, has no side effects, which is both terrible and awesome at the same time, um, and, and has sort of a, a really uh, sort of theoretically pure way of looking at programming. It's really nice. I've been playing with it in the context of uh, putting together, you know, complex web pages in the browser. It's, it's so Elm is really great for reactive programming. Basically, you can expect that everything you do comes in from a callback and exits off to uh, a to-do action for somebody else. And that's sort of the model of the world. You're getting inputs into the browser from servers responding, from people clicking, from mouse movings or whatever. You do some action and then you send a result out. You send a get or a put or whatever off to the server or you do some DOM updates or whatever. Elm is really fantastical for this kind of reactive programming environment. Um, it was one of the fun things they do is they incrementalize the HTML so that if you have a complicated web draw, but then you make small changes to it on an update, the small changes get incrementalized and you get a small DOM update. And as a consequence, the browser updates very rapidly. So you get very fast browser pages. This is great. And another fun issue is because there are no side effects in the language, there's no data race possible when you get intermingled execution from callbacks from the various kinds of things that are going on, whether it's uh, you know servers returning re uh, responses to requests or the mouse clicking or whatever. Also, the language has no exceptions allowed, including null pointer exceptions or not found or whatever kind of exceptions, array index out of bounds. All, none of these are allowed, which means it's this two-edged sword. It's a pain in the ass to get past the compiler, to get to the point where you have no possible exceptional conditions. But when you do, generally your browser page just works. Probably needs some various tweaks the first few times you mess with it, but on the whole, it just works. And that's super nice. So how do the no null pointer exception thing work. It's same as ways like Kotlin does it. The compiler will look and validate that it understands that there is not a possibility of a null here. Or if there is, you have to deal with it. And in the case of, of Elm, it's the maybe structure. In the case of Kotlin, you use a question mark. In the case of Scala, you use the word option. You might end up using the word result to distinguish between an error return that's complex from an other return, you know, a positive return that's complex. So you know, like, you know, web uh, server requests come back to you, not with a null if they failed, but instead some sort of error message if they failed. You know, what was the networking failure result or the goodness that you expected if you were to get and you're getting something back from the server side. You know, really full type inference everywhere and, and you know, just sort of a uh, you know, from the old, all your base belong to us, it's all your bugs are belong to us for us as the type system. It's really nice once you get it through. Okay, there are some fun downsides too, because it's got weird things going on that I don't understand why they're going on. So some of this is a shout out to the Elm community, both for having done a fantastic job with the language. And here are some things I think you could do that are pretty easy that would make it a, a better language, make a great language even better. Okay, broken error messages. And what do I mean by that? Okay, there are giant interesting error messages that the compiler puts out. And of course, getting through the type inference is a tricky business. And so you have interesting, exciting errors. But the error syntax, the error message syntax, isn't the same syntax that has been used from compilers for the last 40 years. And so my editor, Emacs, 
which has a full Elm sectional thing built in, doesn't know how to jump to the next error out of the compiler. I can't hit the go to next error button. I have them all the time. It's wired into my fingers it's super fast. Like as fast as I can type and look, I can pop a button and bang, 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 roll through my errors. I don't have to click a mouse anywhere or whatever. It's super fast and it doesn't work enough. I have to say, oh, I'll go, go, you know, I'll, whatever. My magical Emacs thing that says, go to this line. We have to read the damn error message and go to the line number. That's that's an easy short message. I hope that somebody can pick it up and do the right thing. On the on the issue of giant interesting error messages, I find that 99% of the time they're still not very helpful despite their giantness because the most common failure by far I have is I forgot to put an argument to a function call somewhere and because everything is allowed to curry, which I think is like fantastic, don't take that away, something I'm saying here, but because everything's allowed to curry, missing an argument is okay syntactically from the types system. But it's a pain in the ass because it's frequently, like nearly always, not what it actually wanted or intended. The uncurried, the curried function gets passed along through multiple layers of maps and whatever. And when it finally does blow up, I get error message far, far removed from where I didn't have an argument. And usually when I didn't have an argument, it's like I missed some sort of operator precedence situation I didn't get right. Or I actually just missed an R because it's traditional. I just didn't type all the things I needed to type. Either of those cases are things that a traditional compiler in a traditional language will get right in terms of the error message will tell you concisely and obviously here thou, thou forgot to do something stupid you didn't add the you know the right thing here and so I guess the suggestion here is can I have a, a some sort of syntax on functions that said this function shall not be curried by default and upon seeing a usage with a missing arg um, assume first that it's not actually curried and the error is right here and I get a very short concise you made a function call here and it meant it's supposed to have three arguments and I didn't find three I found um, and then separate there's the you know escape from that says oh okay I really meant to curry and send in half the arguments and then pass it along to the map call and whatever fine so enough about error messages the next sort of big pain in the ass that I fall over constantly now is the syntax for arrays and the fact that the arrays are actually slow so let's break those apart separately array syntax is this really nice mechanism really short concise and I love Elm's concise syntax for talking about a collection and the 99% thing you do with a collection is you do a look up in a collection and the old school array syntax is a sub i as four characters the letter a for the array a left bracket an i and a right bracket and you're done okay in elm it's the word array dot get so that's like 12 10 characters and then a space and then an index and a space and an array and it's like five times as long the order is all screwed up and it has this giant textual thing that doesn't need to be there it's not helpful so I'm proposing that we come up with a better syntax including somehow overloading the the square bracket syntax to do some of the race I did try to overload the square bracket syntax and it's not allowed by elm.18 so I couldn't put in my own array syntax. Eventually it was so egregiously bad that I, I went back to my really old school and I'm gonna date myself here. I faked my ancient fourth syntax. What's fourth? It's a language that was out there as a programming language before the programming languages came around. Like when you're looking at real first programming languages, fourth is way back there in, in ancient history. Um, and there's an, I just use an at sign operator. And so I do array at index for lookup. Um, better than nothing, not exactly you know what I want, but it's okay, but it doesn't work so well for set for which you need three things and I can't do any inlining very well with three, so I kind of want array at index colon equals value, except that I can't overload quite that way. So there's some discussion on a better race syntax, but really this goes back to the language implementers. Can we have a better race syntax, please? And then the next one is it's just they're slow. 
And they're slow in funny ways. They, they allow you to do incremental updates because that's the whole no side effect thing on Elm is copy a portion of the array. I get it. I understand it's very useful and it's a crucial property. I'm not saying take it away. I'm saying let's work on how to solve this. The issue with arrays is that for the past 50 years, they've made the following guarantees that Elm takes away. The guarantee is that you can do linear scan at the same speed as memory bandwidth. It's fucking fast to work on arrays. And that you can do update in place also just about as fast. Constant time, fast lookups. And of course, Elm gets close. They have a in login. But the constant's really big. But the linear scan thing is not there. And that matters when the arrays get big. And I am totally putting in, in the browser arrays with you know 10,000 by 500 or 1,000 elements. And I'm having really fast updates and looks because I'm using DieGraph and JavaScript to let me pan and scroll and zoom. And I have a lot of complex widgets because I'm investigating a giant large data set doing you know, big visualization in the browser. And as soon as I touch the data using Elm, I suck. So I don't. I had to go do a JavaScript back array with an Elm syntax, and it feels just wrong. I would love to have an actual Elm array implementation that was fast for data that you didn't change. And, and maybe fast if I was doing update in place, even if it was only allowed to update all of it or had some other sort of way to denote you know, doing pieces, parts. And what Elm does now is it breaks arrays up into arraylets of 32 or whatever. And if you update a little thing, you have to update the 32 chunk. And I get that. And if you update onesies and twosies, it's a fine answer. But often if I do an array update, it's all of it. I'm walking end to end and update it all. And I don't actually want a new array because I don't want the memory footprint because it's slow. It's slow twice. It's slow because I have to allocate all the new stuff. I have to copy from the old to new. It's not in any of the CPU's caches, so it's super slow. And then the old one is dead and has to be garbage collected. So I want an update in place. It can be done type safely. This is what Rust does for you know lifetime of stuff. And and mostly I do array syntax because it's concise and it's fast to do access. And I'm mostly doing access because I'm endlessly like spewing it all over the, the screen to the browser as people zoom through this giant data set. Great. Okay. Few other comments here. Bad syntax for deeply nested updates. I do have a complicated application. It's got 20 odd Elm files. It's pretty big. I end up doing you know deeply nested updates. Um, the syntax for doing that requires me to do it in partial updates where I do, you know, update of one layer and then I wrap that update to another layer and wrap that update to another layer. I should be able to stack them one, two, three, four, five and know that Elm's going to do the correct copying thing at all the outer layers to let me update the innermost thing. Fine. It's like syntactic sugar. I think there's a focus community app. I looked at it. It looked kind of like difficult to figure out. I think this should belong in the core language. Um, just a random comment about the let syntax. Would it be possible to drop the let in keywords simply because if I make a new variable, it all I have to have is a new name and just it's a declaration and use a token like colon equals like out of the Pascal to define a new variable just anywhere you want. And essentially it's like I had a, a let in syntax wrapped right there around that one variable just instantly on the spot. We'll just be a little more concise. Um, otherwise, I guess I'm done whining about Elm. I, I, I really love the language. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm still actively hacking away and doing, you know, big data visualization with it. So this is like a, it's like been a great language for this. I've done a few tiny little games with it as well. I love it. Um, keep up the good work, guys. Um, and then I have a little bit more on, you know, what I do and where I come from on my blog at cliffc.org slash blog. And that's it. And may all your Elm, Elm hacking go great. Thanks. Bye-bye.